Hey everyone, welcome to Pit Stops the Podium, the Rev Partners podcast, where we talk to execs who have competed in one, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brendan Tollison. I serve as the co-founder and CEO of Rev Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today, Andrew Gazdecki for this episode of Pit Stops to Podium. Welcome, Andrew. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you. For those that may not be familiar with who Andrew is, Andrew is a founder uh, and CEO of Acquire.com. And Andrew, as our as our audience gets to know you a little bit, I think one of the things we'd like to do is give you an opportunity to share a little bit more about who Acquire.com is and and really kind of the, the genesis or the origin story of uh, the idea and, and why you decided to pursue it. Yeah, um, good question. So Acquire.com is, uh, I always kind of joke and say it's a, uh, marketplace for startups to buy startups. And uh, really what we do is uh, we help startups get acquired. So we work with uh, generally bootstrap startups, SaaS companies, e-commerce companies. And then on the buyer side, a lot of private equity firms, uh, venture-backed businesses, public companies. And so, yeah, it's kind of like Zillow for M&A is maybe a short description. I love the idea. What what inspired you to to pursue it? So I've I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I you know was that kid selling uh, baseball cards when everyone was collecting them, and I started I started a business when I was in college. And fun fact, I went to college knowing I did not want to get a job. So I, I graduated with a 2.07 GPA. I literally did as I learned how to do as little as possible to just <laughs> get the degree. And I used that four years to figure out how to start a business. And I did this thing every summer where I'd start a business. Um, I eventually started a business called um, uh, Business Apps, um, short Biz Apps. And what it was, was essentially the first, no code, drag and drop, uh, do-it-yourself mobile app builder for small businesses. And I scaled that business to about $10 million in annual recurring revenue and uh, actually exited the business when I was 29 to uh, a private equity buyer. And that was kind of the first sort of thought of, you know, hey, acquisitions are super hard <laughs> to... Like, and also just mysterious in a way. I think a lot of founders think, you know, Google shows up with a big check and they're like, hey, you got acquired, good job. But you have to really sell your business. And so when I, when, when Business House was acquired, I, I got a number of texts and emails and calls from friends, like what was due diligence? What was legal? Um, how did you find the buyer? And so I just noticed you know, there's a real big gap in the market. There's books on marketing, there's books on sales, there's books on product development, books, thousand books on fundraising, but maybe like two on how to actually sell your business, which is arguably the most important part of the founder's journey to exit. So I just saw this big fragmented market, uh, low NPS, uh, no innovation really ever. And I thought it'd be really interesting to consolidate that to make things easier. Just even the simple things like finding finding a buyer can be really hard for a startup and uh, Acquire.com makes that really easy for startups. Yeah, I, uh, 
That's really fascinating. I mean, I think to your point, it's interesting to see how kind of your passion for entrepreneurship, your experience, uh, and just the gaps you saw in, in the market ultimately informed, um, you know, pursuing this because you, you you clearly understand and know the need based off your experience. And, you know, I think for those two, just listening to you that, that may, you know, you've also sat in a seat from a revenue perspective, you know, with like the, I think it was a CRO at Spiff, right? Who, um, as of this reporting, just launched a, what, a $50 million raise? Yeah, so uh, there's a funny story behind that. That was after um, my second acquisition. I So when I was in due diligence with uh, business apps, for some reason I decided to start um, a crypto protocol company. We were trying to speed up times on the Ethereum blockchain. It's still slow, so we didn't succeed. But um, we sold that company to a strategic buyer, BNK to the future. With they're kind of like WeFunder or Republic for crypto projects. And after that, I just didn't have any ideas. And so I was just uh, advising startups, uh, playing a lot of Madden. Like fun fact, I was um, one of the top 100 players. And and to do wow, that, that's, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, I was like number 98 for like a day. I thought it was cool. Um, but it's actually embarrassing. Um, but well, my wife was like... When you had a 2.07 GPA, I, mean, that, I guess that's maybe what you were practicing more of, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's my biggest accomplishment. But my <laughs> wife was like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like you need... And I like didn't want to start another company because you got to kind of chew glass and get the product market fit. I didn't really have any good ideas. I had an inkling about, you know, um, Acquire.com, previously MicroAcquire. Uh, but, uh, as I was advising, um, different startups, mostly for free, I was talking to the chief product officer and the CEO at Spiff, just, I think they were like 15 people. And then, um, what made me jump into that company was I heard one sales call and I was just said, Hey, can I, can I help? Um, and I came in, uh, uh, they had just let their previous hero go, uh, sticky notes everywhere, nothing in a CRM, um, helped them build out their initial sales process, um, closed um, a number of their 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 logo customers because um, I understood the problem. I used their competitor exactly, um, their, their competitor's name exactly, and there's also um, Calidus Cloud. And so at business apps, um, to give people a little bit more color on this, uh, Spiff automates uh, commissions for sales teams. So you have these big spreadsheets. A lot of companies have really complicated sales comp plans. And there's big clunky companies like Exactly and Calidus Cloud. And Spiff just had this beautiful solution. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this is huge. We hated it Exactly. We actually paid for it and stopped using it. Um, so I was there for about 10 months. Um, once they raised their Series A, I left and then um, started working on uh, Acquire.com. That's great. Yeah, the uh, it's exciting to see that news. Um, and I'm sure uh, that was something that you were were proud of. And, um, you know, we had AJ Bruno, if you're familiar with Quota Path, and that's similar category on, on a previous podcast. So uh, it's a it's a it's crazy how many people still use spreadsheets for that um, solution. And it's exciting to see how that categories evolved with the exactly as the spiffs and the quota pass of the world. Um, 
Let's uh, so you know generally we go into Andrew some of the uh, personal fun facts, but I think you've already given us some good ones in terms of um, the gaming side, and you mentioned a little bit just in terms of always having this passion for uh, entrepreneurship even during college. Um, you know, I think for for audience, you mentioned you're married. Any kids, or what? What do you and your uh, spouse like to do for fun? Ah, uh, I mean. We always, we always try to go. I, so one thing I do, you know, when you have, I have a three-year-old son, uh, married and a startup and, you know, uh, you know, each, each one of those are, are just so important. And so I, uh, like right when this podcast ends, I'm going to go to lunch with my wife, uh, weekends are for the boy. I'm always hanging out with him. He loves, he loves the garden and paint. Uh, really nothing too fancy. We don't, play pickleball or anything like that um <laughs> i know i know everyone's playing that right now but uh we're 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 pretty simple people uh, i appreciate that you have the, you have your it sounds like the priorities in the right place in creating um space and rhythms for for both work and and family and yes guilty as charged my wife and i play pickleball uh for a little day day <laughs> week so um which has been a lot of fun uh, and our, we're trying to get our kids into a little bit more and more so that we can we can play more, which would be nice. Yeah, me me and my wife saying, I'll only say this on this podcast. Um, <laughs> you'll be the first. Um, we'll we'll always find like some sort of show to watch. Right now, we're uh, watching Better Call Saul, um, but sometimes I'll get roped in watching The Bachelor, and uh, you know, guilty pleasure. Hey, you know, I love the drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may like. I just saw there's a show on Netflix that you may be interested in because of Madden and baseball cards. It's like this. Uh, I can't remember. I think it, I can't remember his name. I should know because I've watched like four episodes. Uh, but it's a marketplace, and they get collectors' items and then sell it. And um, it's 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 a fun one to watch. All these sports memorabilia that that people are are so interested in sell for a lot of money, which I never thought was possible. I haven't seen it, but I'll definitely check it out. I just watched um, uh, uh, the Nike story. That's that's a good one. Um, if anyone yeah. needs something good to watch, it's also I don't know that one exactly, but his I don't know if you've read his book, but uh, that's a great book. Uh, Phil Knight's, um, uh, I guess it's autobiography. Uh, it's a great story. Um, well, Angela, let's uh, pivot into the big idea and just, uh, you know, given your background, both as an operator and just an entrepreneur and building acquire.com, there's there's so much we could talk about that would help our audience as they think through how to, you know, scale their business. And I know one of the areas that um, you've had experience in and, and, and have done uh, really well is, you know, grow through content marketing. Um, and so I'd love just to talk a little bit about that topic um, with, with our audience and getting your perspective. And I don't think the, the, the concept of content is anything new. Um, but I guess the, more importantly, uh, for those that are trying to dabble or trying to understand the benefit of it or why they should do it, uh, maybe let's start there, just kind of contextual layer as to um, why invest in it. And then we can talk about how they should, you know, steps they can take in order to actually see benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so from, from a high level, the way I think, you know, most startups should really think is, like a media company, you know, you should have a podcast, you should have, you know, a blog with really high quality content, you should be posting on social media regularly, you should be creating, you know, industry data reports, uh, because it's really easy to buy customer attention. 
I, and also very easy to copy that. So you have no defensible go-to-market when you're just doing paid ads and stuff like that. Because um, I can just look at your paid ad campaign and just do all the same keywords, just a copy. And But when you have a moat in terms of, you know, you're ranking high on uh, search engines, you know, you have a large audience on uh, social platforms, uh, large audience on, say, YouTube and TikTok, um, you know, when you release information about product updates, it, it goes so much farther. And I guess the way I think about, you know, why content is so important today is, is really just the number of startups being built. Like there's like probably like five being started like now, like the second. Um, so uh, with that, with that kind of, um, you know, perspective, you know, when we talk about companies like, you know, mine, acquire.com or um, your company or really any company, you probably can name like, you know, five direct competitors. But the way I think about competition is I'm not competing against those companies. I'm competing against customer attention. And so I'm always trying to figure out ways to earn customer attention rather than buy it. And that's why I always think just a content strategy in terms of thinking like a media company. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. But um, that's what that's what people want to want to see today. They don't want to see ads. They don't want to see, um, you know, just crappy ebooks where you got to enter your email to fill out a form to get it and some sales rep cold calls you 10 times. Um, you know, there's a good book on, on kind of on this topic, um, you know, sell the way you buy, um, where you really just help customers through every aspect of the journey to buying your product to, you know, top of funnel you know, all the way down to, cause you have, um, you know, awareness, um, decision, evaluation, or awareness, evaluation, decision. And I feel, I believe there's like two others in there, but, um, you know, if you can hit on all those um, stages in your seller's, or excuse me, your, your buyer's journey. Um, I say seller a lot because at Acquire.com, we work with a lot of sellers selling their businesses. Um, you can help move them down the funnel. And, you know, a good example of this is, you know, let's say you have a sales team and no one's heard of your company. You can get a huge, huge, huge uplift in your cold email campaigns and your cold calling campaigns, all of your outbound sales effort. If you start investing in content and creating a brand, so when people get that email or get that phone call, they've heard of you somewhat. Like there's a reason why Gong beat Chorus or why Outreach beat Sales Off. Um, and it's really, when I look at it, it comes down to the way they position their companies in the market because their products essentially do the exact same thing. So technology is no longer um, a defensible moat, in my opinion. And so distribution um, really becomes the moat you want to focus on the most. And content is um, a big part of that. I, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that mindset of kind of thinking of it more from a media perspective and the idea of earning versus buying, um, at least being the priority. And um, you don't want to be sold to, you just want, it's like how you want to experience it. Um, and I think a lot, I mean, I think conceptually a lot of people would agree with that, um, but practically very few do it. Um, and why do you think that companies have a hard time making that pivot? 
Um, I mean, there's a number of different reasons. It's it's hard to track, you know, direct attribution, especially in marketing. Like the my favorite way to track, you know, brand attribution is just how many people are searching your company name um, within search engines. You know, but beyond that, it's hard to tie, you know, specific pieces of content that, you know, it's just harder to track, I think. And then also, um, more importantly, um, it, it's a longer term investment. You aren't going to see immediate results month one once you start creating content for your customers, educating them on top of funnel or bottom, bottom of funnel, whatever it may be. It's going to take time. It's going to take you know, because you want to create a piece of content, distribute it as many times and in as many places as you possibly can. So I think a lot of companies uh, maybe avoid it for short-term performance rather than thinking about long-term performance. Because once you get that engine running, it it truly can become, you know, a very defensible moat. But it takes a lot of time. Any sort of moat um, takes a lot of time to build. And I think companies right now in particular are under pressure for, you know, we need revenue in today rather than thinking about, you know, we need pipeline in, you know, six months from now that'll close in a, a year. So short-term thinking is is my best guess. Well, I like the idea, you you just alluded to it a few times with that whole defensible moat uh, concept where it's, there's actually this pivot going from technology more into uh, the experience and with content distribution, the whatever it may, however you want to categorize that, and using those examples of Gong and um, of outreach versus their competitors, because or even take like um, Spiff or or QuotaPath. I mean, a lot of that just comes into how that the experience is working. Uh, I think to your point, and then to your point, the the short sightedness of like, hey, we're I'm being hired to drive results today, uh, not like how do I create a two year, three year plan. Um, but I think to, it gets into what you were just describing as attribution, like understanding how to measure it um, creates clarity for that executive team. And so maybe what would be helpful for our audience too to be thinking through is um, how do you expand that? So you mentioned like keyword searches for your brand is one way, but what are like some hacks or, or cheat codes that, that you seem successful to how to um, get more followers, to get um, higher engagement? Is that through the people at the company or are there other tactics that you would say, Hey, this is, this is ways in which you can really elevate the brand and to drive that ultimately in accelerate that demand creation that and capture that people are looking for. Well, I, I'd say the first thing, um, you know, going, going, going back to Nike, you know, I really, I really believe that, you know, companies today to stand out need to stand for something. And like Nike doesn't sell shoes, they sell a lifestyle, they sell a goal, they sell, you know, a, an achievement, they sell progress, they celebrate their customers. I think when you start thinking like that in terms of your brand, that's where you can have some like real breakthroughs in terms of, you know, word of mouth spreading, um, you know, taking customer success stories and celebrating them. And that could be, you know, Something as simple as, you know, giving away swag or something like that when something awesome happens from a customer. Um, really just people know when you when you care about your customers. So um, in terms of, you know, how do you drive, you know, um, brand affinity? I believe that was your question, right? Like how do you drive maximum brand affinity? It, it all it all comes down to just caring for your customer. And it's very obvious. You know, sometimes it could just be as simple as, the CEO of the company answering support tickets once in a while, getting being close to the customer. 
um, or being involved in some of the largest, you know, sales transactions or deals that are going down. Um, you know, things like that really add up and just show customers again that you care and that, you know, you're a company that stands for something and let people be known. So that also kind of ties into um, storytelling. Like what is, like, why did you, like you just asked me why I started my company. Um, you know, why is that important? Why should other people care? And the more you can get people to care and be excited about your business, like to kind of peel back on you a little bit more on, you know, acquire.com story and what we stand for. Um, you know, we, we believe that it's better to not raise venture capital, not try to build a billion dollar business because by statistics you have a 0.01% chance. And so we're supporting the other 99.9% of other businesses being built today. And now that leaves a huge void because there's not really a centralized place for those businesses to sell because if you're worth a billion dollars, you're working with an investment bank. And so we champion bootstrap startups compared to the ones that are raising a ton of money. You know, you raise, you know, Series C, that's that's super cool. I'm really happy for you. Um, but, you know, what we try to do at Acquire.com is bring to light a different style of entrepreneurship, more practical and realistic version of entrepreneurship that um, I think a lot more entrepreneurs would be successful with. And that also comes from my personal story. Like with business apps, I, I bootstrapped that company. So when it was acquired, you know, you own the majority of the company. And it's a better outcome for the founder. Um, so that's just one example of, you know, ha- kind of standing for something like, not everyone will agree with it. Not everyone will, you know, em- embrace that. And that's okay. You need to, you know, have an opinion on something. Um, and, you know, some people will really embrace that. Others won't. And the ones that do embrace it will turn into, you know, ultimately fans of your company rather than just, you know, followers on, you know, Twitter or something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I really like that in terms of, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and I appreciate you sharing a little bit about it from acquire.com perspective. Like from like our RP story is um, like I lost, I, it starts, I tell, I tell every new hire, like our, the origin story of RP is actually I went out of brokenness. Like I, I lost my job the first week of COVID because everything shut down and the CEO of the company I was working for um, decided he wanted to cut costs because he didn't know what's going to happen. And uh, so it's like, that's, I, my like, what do I stand for? Is like, how do we pursue excellence without minimizing care for people? And like, this whole concept of unlocking late potential for human flourishing is what we talk a lot about. And like, six, like sharing success stories and seeing our people thrive is, is something that I really, really am passionate about. Um, and when you talk about care, it's interesting uh, because you know Horst Schultze, who's who's been on the podcast and was. Um, you know, the CEO of the Ritz Carlton, you know, one of the things that he talks about is the number one question for customer satisfaction is not something that's quantifiable. It's actually, this is the question, do you care about me? Uh, and so it's a lot of what you're describing is like, how do you make sure that your customers understand that you care about them? Because that's ultimately what's going to create that affinity and drive um, to your point, not just you know followers, but really uh, people that are fans of the business that are going to promote it um, to to the people that they know um, or or externally. So, I, I definitely resonate with that concept. Yeah, I uh, funny enough, we actually talk about uh, Ritz Carlton quite a bit at our company in terms of providing Ritz Carlton experience, where we know our customers, 
we know them by name. We know how many times they've written into our, you know, support center, how many times they've called. Uh, because we deal with frequent buyers and we deal with, you know, frequent sellers as well. But again, providing, that's another way to compete today is just having, like, be the Zappos of your industry. You know, yeah. be, have the best customer support, have phone support, have email responses within, you know, SLAs of like at least an, an hour at the most, have live chat. Like those things really, again, show customers that you care and you want to help them. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like just, Go the extra mile. This is one of the things that like Chick Fil A talks about. Um, but yeah, Horst Schultze had this has this line of like, "We are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen," uh, and that's that idea of giving people purpose and empowerment. And I think that's really really important too. Just how you think about your people and ultimately who you serve. Um, well, Andrew, I, I really enjoy. I could keep talking for a really long time. Um, but so I, I really appreciate the, your your perspective on you know how how to think about content to ultimately drive um, brand affinity. Uh, I think it's a good way to kind of capture that, that big idea from today. Uh, if our audience wants to get to learn a little bit more about acquire.com or learn a little bit more about you or get in touch, uh, what's the next step they can take? Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on the podcast. And um, you can go to acquire.com, learn about um, what we do if you're interested in, you know, potentially buying a company or selling a startup. And then if you want to, uh, get a hold of me. I'm pretty easy to find on Twitter at agazdecky or um, LinkedIn, Andrew Gazdecky, if you can spell that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I said it right at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, uh, you did. You did. Oh. You did a great job. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Enjoy time. Uh, I think with your wife, I think you said right after this podcast, maybe grab some lunch. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Thanks. Th- thanks so much. And let's stay in touch. Yeah, sounds good. I had a blast. Thanks for having me. 